I absolutely live for Sundays like this on the Matt Berry Show, ESPN College Football YouTube channel. Absolutely live for this. And it comes on the final regular season weekend, the final Saturday of the regular season of the college football world. And Paul Feinbaum, as he always does, joins me here. There are I, I don't even know where to start. I'm just going to give you treetops of what's going to be discussed today. The Iron Bowl. The Texas A&M hire that didn't happen. Rick Flair. Me against Florida State Twitter, which all of this as we embark on championship week in Michigan. We get, I mean, there, there's so much to get to, Paul. So here, here let's, let's start. I want to start noon window. I feel like we should just work our way up to present day, like a movie that starts at the beginning. Okay. Ohio State, Michigan. Ryan Day, now one in three in his career as head coach of Ohio State against Michigan. Michigan against the world wins again. And here we are, Paul, talking about the Wolverines head of the Big Ten Championship three consecutive years. Yeah, and, and I think it's great. I, I, it was it was a game that we all wanted and we saw. But what I don't understand, Matt, is the reaction to the game. Uh, everything has been said about what happened. But tell me this. How did Michigan, a favorite at home, beating Ohio State, vindicate Jim Harbaugh, as I've heard and as you have heard from tens of thousands of Michigan fans in, in the most cruel, crass, and obscene manner. I mean, I, I, I think it was a phenomenal win, uh, but I, I don't understand the reaction. And, and that's what I, that's what I pose to you as we begin on Sunday morning. Yeah. Okay. So there's a, there's a couple of, of ways to look at that. I speculate that the vindication from Michigan people comes from those who thought that the only way Michigan was able to beat Ohio state the past few years is because they had their signs. And so my guess is because people thought that that was the only way they were beating Ohio state, that this year with the, with the sign stealing scandal, no longer a thing after it's been exposed that Ohio state was just going to run rough shot over Michigan and things were going to be restored. Well, that didn't happen. And Michigan beat Ohio state again. And my guess is Michigan fans are like, see, we don't need anyone's signs. We're just the better football program. And Paul, I'll say this. No one, I was never arguing that Michigan wasn't one of the most dominant teams in the country. The whole argument with Michigan was with the sign stealing scandal, they were acting like they didn't do anything when it was found that they did do something right. to some level, playing the victim and then playing the villain. If they just went out and played football, it's clear they're one of the most dominant teams in the country, if not the most and just go play football. But my guess, the reason they're acting that way this morning is because it's like, see, I told you so. And it okay. just so happens to be against the team they hate more than life itself. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, it took a rational and reasonable person to, to explain that to me. I appreciate it. So the so big story of this game is, is really Ohio State yeah, uh, and, and the Ryan Day conundrum. You know, people are asking, is this job in jeopardy? No, it's not in jeopardy. Is he on the hot seat? No, he's not on the hot seat, but it's not that simple. And you know that, Matt. Uh, you don't follow a guy that goes 7-0 and against Michigan and go 1-3. and And yesterday was the worst loss because not only was Ryan did Ryan Day lose, he was outcoached by mm-hmm. a guy most people had never heard of until three weeks ago outside of that, that program in the Big Ten. And, and that's humiliating. And there's no there's no scraping it away. And Ryan Day can give the, the 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 hard look and you know say all the things that, quite frankly, nobody cares about. 
Uh, I don't want to hear Ryan Day talk about what a crushing loss it was. We all watch the same stupid game. Now, uh, what does it mean for his future? It means he better be, he better beat Michigan next year uh, at home because at, at some point when you have the best player on the field and, you know, two years in a row, uh, he's got the second best player in the country uh, in, in his backfield. And, you know, this, this, was, a, this was competitive, but it's not enough. Uh, that's the standard at, at the elite programs. And Ohio State is one of the two or three elite programs in the country. Yeah, Ohio State every year trots out as much talent as anyone, including Georgia, including Alabama. They trot out more NFL talent than anyone in the country. And the one thing that has happened in this game, the game over the past couple of years, is Ryan Day, offensive mind, the quarterback hasn't stepped up, which what, what we're seeing CJ Stroud do in the NFL as a rookie tearing up the NFL and having an NFL receiver court Ohio state for the past couple of years and not being able to beat Michigan. And now this year with Kyle McCord with Marvin Harrison, Emeka Buka, uh, Julian Fleming, Cade Stover, Paul, they're loaded. And that's the biggest problem for people every year. It's like, how do we see this talent? How do you run through 11 teams and then this one team, you just, you can't figure out a way to win. And we were talking about it yesterday in studio. How many teams and fan bases would pay their salary for 11 and one every year? Not Ohio state. Cause it comes down to the one game and we've seen reaction throughout, including one of their own Maurice Claret say Ryan day's got to go. Well, I, I, former players don't matter because they're they're emotional and and that's how they are. And you know, thank you, thank you, Maurice Clett, for giving someone you know, Ohio State a lesson after some of your experiences. Uh, but uh, I think he's got a real problem though. And you know, somebody somebody suggested if he had a great opportunity to go somewhere, he should, and he should, because I don't I don't like the path ahead. Uh, he played for a national championship. He's been in the playoffs multiple times. He's not getting in this year. We don't really need to have that conversation. And, and I think he's a very good coach. But if you can't, if you if you can't keep, you can't lose that game. It's just that 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 speaks for itself. Uh, and there's no alibiing. And he's got a new AD coming in. And uh, you know, Ryan Day, I'd get out of there uh, while you can. Oh, so and, and that's kind of a good segue to Jim Harbaugh because we don't know what his future is going to be at Michigan. There are those that believe it's a foregone conclusion that he'll leave in the offseason. But here's what we do know. Jim Harbaugh is back for the Big Ten championship game against Iowa. I've seen it anywhere between – I've seen three touchdowns, about a 22-and-a-half point favorite yeah. against Iowa in a conference championship. So barring – Iowa finding an offense for the first time in a decade. I don't think there's any way they're going to win this game. So now here's what you have, Paul. Here's the dream scenario for Michigan and maybe the nightmare scenario for the Big Ten and the college football playoff committee. You have a guy in Jim Harbaugh that's been made a pariah. He's been put on the shelf six times this year. He is now going to be back on the sidelines, lead his team to a third consecutive college football playoff, and he's going to be front and center bragging about how good this team is because it is and that's good for that's good for television networks that's good for talk shows that's good for us uh what it's not good for maybe michigan because uh there will be a stench following him everywhere he goes but it, it will be fascinating to see not only jim harbaugh on the sports stage where he's been for so long but this will be the national stage uh, th things are pretty 
toxic around the world right now, but everyone is going to be paying attention to this. This is one of those few sports stories that transcends the sport. And uh, count me in for it. Uh, I, I want a front row seat because I, you know, we've had some playoffs that it's, Okay, how many, you know, five, six years in a row, Dabo versus Saban. Now we got right. Kirby. I mean, we got a legitimate good, you know, this is this is this is Disney movie written all over it, good versus evil. Uh and you know, I I, I just salivate at, at the thought of Jim Harbaugh standing in the way of either Nick Saban should that train continue or college football history with Kirby Smart. Oh, it's going to be like, right. The Michigan angle, because the size and enormity of their fan base and the success they've had over the last three years. This, I mean, this is, we thought that this water had reached a boil yesterday yeah. when, when on college game day, when there was some back and forth joined between a Michigan alum and a reporter well, that we that, employed. That, like, that, that, that's not, I'm not getting personal here. That's just being a Michigan alum. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, where you work. You just take on a, a level of arrogance uh, that that defies common sense. What happened? Can you explain to people here what happened between you and Ric Flair? What what am I hearing about this? Well, I'll spare you the, the long buildup, but, but Ric Flair, you know, let's be honest, is is done. I mean, the guy used to be at the epicenter of, of his sport, and and now he's in his seventies and washed up and and basically scraping for dollars, and. He was he was a friend of our show. He'd call in occasionally. He was a Georgia fan, Matt. I mean, we like that. Uh, he had a son that went to Auburn. He, he was a Florida fan for a while. He had a daughter. So we two years ago we have him on, and he, he's Rick Flair. And he's, listen, he's a personality, right? Uh, he's entertaining, uh, and he's on the sidelines two years ago uh, in Athens. Herschel Walker's. I don't know exactly what happened, but he's he likes tries to shake hands with with Kirby Smart, and he blows him off. And the next thing you know, Ric Flair is in Ann Arbor, uh, in Harbaugh's office, and George is playing Michigan down the Orange Bowl a couple of years ago in the playoffs. And, and since then, he's all in on Michigan. And finally, uh, you know, he, he tweeted about some, some episode I had with that certain Michigan Heisman Trophy winner a few weeks ago on TV and, uh, and just has tried to – I mean, I, I know this is going to sound crazy here, Matt. Yeah. But it just seems like Ric Flair is trying to make a name for himself uh, off of this contour. He's trying to stay relevant. He's trying to stay in that 15 minutes of, of relevancy. And it's it's sad. We all watch our, our heroes uh, get older and, and fade away and, and grass and you know show up at pro-ams and and do things that they normally wouldn't do, appear on you know social security advertisements at 3 a.m. in the morning. And unfortunately, that's Ric Flair right now. <laughs> And he look, and he backs the right horse if he wants attention because Michigan. I mean, you, you got to find one of them to back, and 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 but for him getting on the and look, him and Harbaugh, I I find that to be a perfect marriage. Yeah. I find that to be a perfect entertaining marriage for where we are in the world right now with college football. And I don't want to get out of order. So, so what, one more thing. I mean, what's what's his motto? To to be the man, you got to beat the man. Yeah, so yeah, now, yeah. He's he's that guy trying to beat the man, and the man's Kirby Smart. And I don't know if they're going to get beaten anytime soon. And we'll we'll get to Georgia, but I was we were talking about fan bases and and, and where they are, um, in the grand scheme of things, and the devotion they have to their team. Now, rare is the day, Paul. Rare is the day that I, Hornets Nesta fan base. Oh, I love this. I'm in for this. 
before you. Typically, you rile them up, and I no. just kind of sit here and steer the conversation. But I dove into the opinion waters yesterday while watching Florida, Florida State, and I merely said, Florida State is not a top four team in the country <laughs> without Jordan Travis at quarterback. That's it. Correct. That's all I said. This morning, as we tape this, I have more Florida State Twitter attacking me because I said they are not a top four team without Jordan Travis. Well, Matt, let me now hear. this fan base, Paul, this fan base now believes that ESPN is out to get them no, because we don't like the ACC no. and we're creating the narrative that we're going to leave Florida State out of the playoff because of it. A couple of things. I've already said Michigan is has the most thin-skinned fan base in the country, so I can't say Florida State has the most thin-skinned fan base in the country. They're second, uh, and they always have been. I mean, this was a teacher's college 40 years ago that became a big, uh, a big, great football power because of Bobby Bowden, and Bobby Bowden became famous. Uh, he played all the tough games. He played. He went anywhere. You know the story. And then when he had the moment to, you know, quote put put the put the big boy pants on and and, and fight with the, the guys he always wanted to be. He said, no, I know I'm going historical here, but 30 years ago, a little bit more than 30 years ago, the SEC invited Florida state to join. They didn't want any part of it. Bobby told me that. Why would we want to be in the SEC <laughs> when we can beat up on Wake Forest and Duke and, and all in Virginia. So there was always that rub. Uh, and, and he did well, uh, but you know, he, he has inspired used to say, you know, they Spurrier's record against Bowden was terrible because they had a two-game season every year, Clemson yep. and Florida. Uh, and they managed it really well. And uh, and then Jimbo came there and you know they they were they remained thin-skinned. Uh, I mean, I've dealt with them for a long time. And 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 by the way, who, who which one of the fan bases in America got up a couple of months ago at a board of directors, a board of trustees meeting and said, We're too good for the ACC. We want out. We belong elsewhere. We're open for business. Big Ten, SEC. Who was that fan? Who was that, who was that trustee? And what school did he represent? That, that was Florida State that that wanted to to secede from the ACC yeah. union. And and now they're upset that Matt Barry uh, dares to uh, make a make a factual statement that they're not they're not the same team. And we saw that last night. Hey, congratulations, Florida State. You beat Florida in the swamp. You beat a program that. For the last two years, it's had a losing season. That, that's really a, that, that's a major. By the way, that was one of your that was one of your toughest games of the year because you're playing Louisville this week in Charlotte for the ACC championship. And by the way, that will be on ABC, which is part of ESPN, and we'll be promoting it all week. And we're proud of that game here at the Worldwide Leader. Uh, and but you lost to Kentucky at home yesterday. Shut up already. Yeah, it, yeah, yes. And I don't know. There's a difference, but like, I, even like the, there was a, there was a, a Florida State <laughs> writer coming at me. Of course. And, and I just, and I said, do you like, it just, just, this is just a big picture conversation. Does anyone, even the most Florida State, Florida, even Danny Cannell, who I will speak with this about him on his radio show Wednesday, cannot, Look each other, cannot look each other in the eye and say, Tate Rodemaker, 
that's the guy leading us to a national championship. And the whole thing that the biggest thing, and I, and this is my biggest stance on the argument, big picture, even outside of Florida state. I look at right now. Okay. I get it. Florida state's had a remarkable season. I've been on here and every other media outlet in the country saying that I believe that they're one of the most talented teams in the country. But when you lose your most valuable player right here, right now, they're giving me this Oh, Washington's been playing with their food. Texas has struggled. Yeah. Well, Florida state barely got out of chestnut Hill against Boston college is six and 16 with a win. They barely got out of Clemson. Who's an eight and 14 with the win. Okay. So every team has their ebbs and flows, but as you and I sit here today, could they beat Oregon with Tate no. Rodemaker? No. Could they beat Texas? No. Could they beat Alabama? Could no. they beat Georgia? Could they no. beat Michigan? No. They couldn't beat Ohio State either. That's the argument. With Tate Rodemaker, that ain't happening. And so now I'm like, I'm not anti-Florida State. I'm pro-truth. They're not the same team no, without not. Jordan Trat. It's not hard. And, you know, I, I hear all the analysts that you parade up and down Sports Center every day, and I don't care if you're undefeated in the Power Five conference. I really don't. That, that does not guarantee. We, we've, we've already been there before. Give me the four best, and you just named six clubs that would beat Florida State right right now. I don't know. Right I, now. Uh, I mean, they were brilliant on Labor Day weekend against LSU. LSU turned out to be a flawed team. Uh, we know that now. Clemson, we, we've already talked about. So what else have they done? Uh, what else have they done? And oh, I they're twelve and zero. That's what that's what they did. That, that, that does. TCU uh, was undefeated last year until the uh, Big Twelve championship game, and you know we we made that mistake a year ago. Let's not make it again. I don't want to see Florida State in the playoffs because they're going to get blown out by one of these clubs. Yeah, and if if, if they let's just project for let's say they get by Louisville, I would because right now Florida State's fifth. If they get by Louisville, I would bet they slot them at four. Sure. Georgia, until proven otherwise, is going to be the number one ranked team. So we're going to trot out Georgia, Florida State. Currently, Jordan Travis, different game. Tate Rodemaker, game over. It's not watchable. Well, excuse me. It is watchable. Only to see Florida State lose. (laughs) So that's the (laughs) That's the Florida State side of it. That, oh, so no, you've that, got Michigan fans. I've got all of Florida State after me because of a, a factual statement about yeah. right here, right now. They don't want to hear it. And that's where we go into the regular season finale. Which, by the way, if Louisville – Louisville's a good football team. I know they lost to Texas A&M coach Mark Stoops, who was there for a cup of coffee. But who's yeah, – yeah, like, By the, the way, so not to change gears, but, but, but St- I read this somewhere. That, so Stoops was a coach for a couple hours in theory, right? Yeah, so let's 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 pivot there to Texas A&M. Who What's his, what, what what will his buyout be? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, he's got the same amount of division titles as Jimbo Fisher while he was the head coach yeah. at Texas A&M. So they've 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 kind of all got it lined up. But what a bizarre situation that we had in the coaching carousel world, which you never think would get that any more bizarre than it already has. But this was happening around midnight, Paul. I'm getting ready to do college football final. There are reports that the deal is in place to make Mark Stoops Kentucky. All of this was going down. And then an hour later, after a, an alleged fan revolt, I didn't I didn't see all of it. Texas A&M and Mark Stoops agreed that this deal wasn't going to be consummated. Oh, and no, now, no, no. I read Mark Stoops that after the Louisville celebration, he he couldn't dare leave Kentucky. Mm, that was yeah. a statement. On, you, were, you, you read that on Twitter. Didn't oh, you? yeah, I definitely read the statement that, that, that okay. Kentucky is his home and where he wants to be. Oh, Kentucky home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, what? 
what, what are we doing in College Station with this coaching search? Because now the movement appears to be the interim coach, Elijah Robinson, or now Mike Elko's name at Duke is bubbling up after the Mark Stoops thing went awry. Uh, the answer to your question is I don't know. Um, I just assumed that they had a good plan uh, when they got rid of Jimbo because I mean, they, they didn't fire Jimbo today, which is when a lot of coaches get fired. They fired him, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. Seemed like, and I, I said right here with you that I, I'm assuming they already have somebody lined up. I, I, my assumption was incorrect. Uh, so I, I think they're, you know, what you have out there, you, you have a lot of really proud uh, people who have a piece of that program, and it's, it's a familiar story. Um, and I, I haven't talked to Ross Bjork. Uh, I don't really know what his mindset is, but I'm sure he's trying to regroup because. Yeah, he, he he's the one that put has put a lot of things out there about what what we're not an eight and four program. Well, with Mark Stoops, Mark Stoops did a good job at Kentucky, but is that a, is that a, a preamble that he would do a good job at a higher profile, much more difficult job than Kentucky? He, he exceeded expectations at Kentucky, uh, but I, I I think I think I think he's better off staying where he is. Uh, but I don't really know what I don't know what these next couple of hours look like for for A and M Matt Matt. And, and you know, and I've said this numerous times on here, Sports Center, whatever meeting we've been doing over the last 10 years, that when when you fire a coach, I find this to be the most uh, accurate way to describe this decision. You had better make sure that the guy you're getting rid of, the one that's coming in, better be better. You had better make sure that that next coach, you you need to have a plan in place. Who are you going to get? You need to be 100% certain the new coach is better than the one you just fired. And here we are with Texas A&M after the Mark Stoops debacle. Like, what what do they get? They couldn't get Dan Lanning. They couldn't get Dan Campbell. They probably made a run at Dabo, Ryan Day, named the big sure. name. They went. So you can't do that in this day. And are they going to get better? That's the question. You've got, a, you, uh, you've got a better coach on your staff right now than – a lot of these people that we're talking about in Bobby Petrino. Right. Uh, and I, I'm not, I don't know what the deal on Petrino is anymore, but, but he is a, he is a proven head coach. I just, why does this always happen? Why do these firings happen? Well, because, because college coaching searches are, are the most fascinating thing in the world because they're, they're played in real time. This isn't like an executive search hiring uh, the next uh, CEO at Apple uh the everybody's got an opinion you gotta you know you, you have the structure the president the ad and then you got all these other people uh and then you got the twitter mob uh who you know took a break from you for 10 minutes last night to move over to a and m and uh everybody's self-aware of what's happening and i think there's a lot and I, we watched this what five years ago at Tennessee with Jeremy Pruitt yep. I mean, that's yep. a textbook case that should be studied for years Greg Schiano was on the way to Knoxville and the, and, and the planes, uh, the, the, I mean, he was about to board the plane. They said, hold, hold on a second. We, we'll, we'll catch you later, Greg. You stay here in Columbus uh, and help Urban Meyer out and or Ryan Day, whatever it was at the time. And uh, you know, we're going to, and by the way, they, they all, they were the AD. Uh, that's a little known story. The AD was in LA meeting with Mike Leach a couple of days later. And, uh, he got he got recalled by the chancellor. He was he 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 offered Leach the job. Leach told yeah. him, and 
the chancellor said, hey, before come come back immediately. He came back and got fired <laughs> because and they didn't want him hiring Mike Leach. And they, they hired Phil Fulmer, who hired uh, Jeremy Pruitt. I just, I, I don't know how this keeps happening. And I look, Jimbo Fisher had his faults at Texas A&M, and one of them was not living up to the money expectations that were placed upon him. But I mean, that's not, that is that, is, is it his fault that they offered him that money and he took it? No. I just, I never understand who you need to make sure there's someone out there better than your current situation. I don't know the Texas a and Well, what Ross, Ross Bjork said two weeks ago, he said, we were stuck in neutral and, and that's not good enough. So where are they right now? Well, the I mean, kind of reverse after last night. <laughs> and they, they probably need to park the car, refuel it, or if you're an electric person, charge your car yeah. and uh, figure out what you're going to do next because this coaching search is already off. And by the way, the transfer portal opens next Sunday. Yeah, They're going to need a coach in the next week. They, need, uh, they Tom, need a coach today. Yeah, and we'll see what happens there. Tom Allen also fired at Indiana. That announced this morning. I, I suspect there will be more after we get done recording this podcast on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. So that's that that everything that's happened kind of off the field remarkably. And then there's the one <laughs> that happened on the field. 10-year anniversary oh my goodness. of the kick six. On a day where like there's no way anything's ever gonna top the kick six. There's no way you can find any more wild ending to the Iron Bowl than we've seen over the past couple of years. There's no way Auburn, who lost to the Aggies of New Mexico State, not Texas AM the week before, we're gonna be in this game. And Paul, fourth and goal, 31-yard line, Auburn about to end Alabama's season, and then Isaiah Bond happened in one of the great escapes we've seen in this rivalry's history. And, and Matt, I know what the FPI said, but and I don't want to be that guy, but I really wasn't even surprised because I saw it two years ago, almost identical. I mean, two years ago, they were playing a, a far inferior Auburn team. They were 23-point favorite. And it just... Uh, as the play developed, I was like screaming, like, why, why are they rushing two people? And they got what they deserved. Uh, it was, it was a brilliant throw by, by the most maligned quarterback of the first two weeks of the football season, Jalen Milrow. Uh, and it was justice. And yeah, you know, I, I, I don't need to, you know, go through iron ball history. It, I don't think it's quite as significant as the kick six for, for one reason. The kick six was a one versus four matchup. Yeah. Uh, the winner of the game ended up playing for the national championship and right. really winning it. Uh, Auburn is limping into a bowl game. Uh, but it it was it was just so amazing to watch. And uh, I, 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 I mean, I, I, I Nick Saban uh, ha, has been put in a couple of situations this year, and I don't mean this to sound the wrong way because I think I, I think he's he's beloved by Alabama people, but he's becoming likable to even Alabama's rivals because he really I don't think he can believe what he's watching, and that's amazing when you consider his career. Well, that's amazing when you consider this season. They are now out of nowhere, and I say out of nowhere, and it's been a slow build, so we shouldn't be surprised. But how many times from week one to let's right. call it? Week six, we're like, Alabama's gettable. Alabama's gettable. After the Texas loss, Alabama's got issues. Alabama's got issues. Paul, it's November 26. Alabama's 11-1 and one and playing yeah. in their 10th SEC championship game with Nick Saban as their head. I mean, how did we get here with this team that really has, I mean, other than maybe a Dallas Turner, uh, yeah. Kool-Aid McKinstry, like the superstars that we're accustomed to yeah. aren't there, and here they are 11-1. and one. No, and uh... – 
he what, what's what's remarkable is that there were so many near misses. I mean, none more dramatic than than Saturday, but Tennessee was up big on them. A and M was up big on them. Ole Miss, I mean, there's five. It's just like last year, except last year uh, they split the 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 fifty fifty games. Uh, this year they, they 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 just got it right, and you know it. it there's no such thing as house money when you're Alabama uh, because Nick Saban Nick, uh, on Saturday afternoon isn't just trying to to get to the playoffs and maybe win another national championship, which would you know be un, you know unbelievable. But he's trying to stop his his protege from eclipsing him in certain respects, not not overall, but just you're in right. the moment. I mean, you can you don't Alabama fans love to call in and say don't you dare say the dynasty's over and that's the, the, the dynasty will never end for them as long as nick saban's the coach except if we're talking on january 10th and georgia has won three straight it, it's really hard to make an argument that you have a dynasty in that era yeah especially sports. especially if georgia gets them in the sec championship game yeah. next week that we took a year off from that last year was lsu and remember two years ago Georgia was the greatest thing that ever put on pads. Alabama went in there, won the SEC championship. Mm -hmm. Georgia got their comeuppance in the uh, national championship game. Um, can they beat, can this iteration of Alabama go in and take down Georgia? Uh, yeah. I mean, I was talking to Hugh Freeze Friday afternoon, and and you know, he said, he said the Alabama, he said the Georgia team he played in September, he said Alabama is better than that team. But that's not really telling the Georgia story. He said, I can, and I, I haven't talked to him since the game because I don't think I really want to talk to him right now. I'll give him a couple of days to uh, recover, but uh, I think he'll be the most interesting person to break that down because, uh, I mean, Alabama is capable, I think, of beating anyone. Um, but, you know, Georgia has some injury problems. I mean, you know, you, you could see that last night. They didn't play a couple of key players. Now, how banged up are those players, or, or was Kirby Smart being judicious? Yeah, against Georgia Tech, who, you know, give them credit, Haynes King and, and Brent Key in his first year as the, the head coach of Georgia Tech. They played well for the most part. We, I, I've said this about Alabama all season. I'll continue to say it. They're a boa constrictor. They tease you with life, and then they squeeze the life yeah. out of you at the end of the game. They did so again. So, listen, here we are. The penultimate rankings come out Tuesday. I would imagine Florida State fans probably won't be happy unless the committee thought that their win against Florida was better than Washington's win against Washington State. All of this is to say it's going to all come down to next week. The Pac-12 championship is on Friday night, ABC. Winner of that one is getting in. And then we get to championship weekend. SEC champ, the one thing where chaos could become an issue is if Alabama were to pull off the upset against Georgia. I have argued with Mullen. I've argued with Galloway about this. I don't think there's any way in the world that they would leave Georgia out for losing to Alabama having one loss in the last game of the season, you might differ, but I think the Pac-12 oh, yeah. champ will get in. I think Alabama and Georgia would both get in if Alabama won. And then I think Michigan would get in. And then you've got big 12 left out, which would be the Texas Alabama head to head. There's so much that could go wrong and right here in the same sentence with next weekend. And, and that's interesting. Uh, at least as of this moment, I mean, we almost end, we, we end the regular season almost exactly where we began it because I think the top four schools were uh, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio state, and Alabama. We're not far off on that. Ohio state will slip down a couple, but, but it, it's it, as unpredictable as these games have been, the season has, 
has gone uh, fa fairly predictably. And uh, you know, if you're a Florida State fan, uh, you you better you you've already you've already whiffed one time. You needed to make a statement against Florida. You didn't. Congratulations, you beat Billy Napier. See where that takes you in the college yeah. playoff world. Uh, yeah, Alabama. I, I totally agree with you. This is not SEC talking here. This is reality. Uh, Georgia has won 45 of the last 46 games. It's been the most dominant program of the last couple of years. Uh, I think they, they've they gone from a, a good team at the beginning of the year to a great team. And I, I just don't want to hear gobbledygook Tuesday night about, you know, they've had, you know, they've got, you know, this team's got four top 25. I mean, they're Tennessee last week, Matt, after losing 28 points to Missouri and 28 points to Georgia, I think they may have moved up in the poll or something. I mean, it's just, there's, <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to this twenty, this top twenty-five. Yeah, it, it'll it'll be interesting what they do Tuesday. I just, if you're a committee member and if this comes down to the end, which we think the SEC championship will, I just don't know how you can be the number one team for this long and then have suffer one loss and be left out. No. And I think that's the one place where we could get chaos is if Alabama pulls off the upset, uh, Texas and Oklahoma State. I mean, Oklahoma State's been a good story, but Texas is the better team. I, I don't think there's going to be any chaos there. The one place where you're going to see a lot of angst is SEC championship, ACC championship, because I, I believe Pac-12 is already in with with their winner. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I, uh, you know, I, I, you you did a lot of ACC games. I mean, it's good football, uh, but but bad I, officiating. I, I don't I don't see how they have a leg to stand on. Uh, I I think. I think everything that, that uh, could go wrong for FSU has gone wrong. I mean, they, they needed Louisville to win and, and at least be a legitimate opponent, and they're not. Yeah. Uh, so try to sell that game as much as you can. And, I, and Matt, I'll be I'll be flipping on Sports Center tomorrow, and you'll and you'll do. And don't forget Saturday night from Charlotte ACC Championship. You'll do it well. To Louisville. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be sitting there knowing that Florida state fans are, are just loaded for you, depending on the inflection of your voice. Yeah. And I'll try to sell it as hard as I can. I'll, I'll give you my, you know, I'll give you Danny Cannell and work done statistics. We'll talk all you want about uh, the his, Chris Ricks and all the history of the, the Florida state program, but what a wild weekend, what a wild finish to the regular season, 13 weeks of absolute fun. Uh, we will continue this next weekend. We'll do it. Well, we got to figure out the machinations of it with selection day, but we will get it done for you as we wrap up the regular season edition of the Matt Berry show with Paul Feinbaum here on the ESPN college football YouTube channel. Paul, as I always say, what a journey it's been.